Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Free Fire on today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Free Fire is the 2016 film directed by Ben Wheatley that has just recently come out in theaters near me. Uh, I believe it played the festival circuit earlier this year and and at the end of last year. Uh, Ben Wheatley, this is the first film that I've seen of his, uh, but he directed last year's High Rise, uh, The uh, Sightseers, Kill List, A Field in England, the ABC, he was part of the ABCs of Death, uh, and so he, he's got a name, one that I've definitely heard uh, around before. I didn't get a chance to watch High Rise last year, and uh, maybe maybe I'm more, I might, I'm a little more interested in, in his filmography now, having seen Free Fire. So, uh, full disclosure, I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun uh, and, and exciting. And I think that it dealt really well with what actually happens when you get shot by a gun. Uh, so the film follows two groups, uh, one led by Killian Murphy and uh, Michael Smiley, and the other led by Charlotte Copley and Army Hammer. Uh, Charlotte Copley Army Hammer's group is selling guns to Killian Murphy's group. Brie Larson plays the go-between who sets up the whole thing. They meet in an abandoned warehouse. They exchange the guns. They exchange the money. Uh, tempers flare and all hell breaks loose. Uh, and suddenly everyone is in a gunfight for the uh, for their lives. And that's the bulk of the film is this shootout between, you know, a dozen some odd characters over the course of 70, 75 minutes. And, you know, it it kind of, the premise feels almost like Mad Max, like if Mad, it is to, to a shootout what Mad Max is to a car chase, essentially. Mad Max, the film is essentially one long car chase. Free Fire, the film is essentially one long shootout. Uh, the difference being that Free Fire is not as well put together, uh, doesn't really develop its characters as well, or in some cases at all, uh, and it doesn't build on itself, which I think is, uh, it doesn't build well enough. Uh, you know, like they're, they're stuck in this big, large room for the majority of the time, uh, and in fact, they, they, end in that room for the most part and we don't really get a much uh variation you know like you know at one point army hammer's character uh uses one of the guns that was part of the sale uh so you know he uses the m16 and meanwhile like everybody else has basically been using pistols and 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 revolvers up until that point and so you know he's escalating the 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 conflict you know this is he's bringing a bigger gun to this fight and while that does change the dynamic a little bit there was not nearly enough ripple effect due to that you know like 
there's a little bit of innovation here and there, but I really wanted uh, Wheatley to go much bigger, much broader, and, and incorporate the environment more and and you know use more of this building you know it takes them a while to walk through it to get to this room that they're in and we really don't see them and like this whole time i'm thinking oh okay so he's showing us all these landscapes he's showing us all these environments that we're probably going to go back to during this gunfight and we never get there uh and the biggest part <laughs> the biggest reason for that is because within the first five minutes of the gunfight 90 percent of the people have been shot in the leg and therefore cannot walk and spend the rest of the film crawling in some capacity. And I like that. Like, I, I'm, I'm glad that they couldn't just walk around because you can't fucking walk if you've been shot in the leg. It, it's not really the same. You at least limp. And I think for that, to that effect, the, the performances are all great. I think there's a, fan, there's a great job of sort of the characters and actors showing yeah, I've been shot. I'm not just running around like nothing, like I'm fine, you know. I, I'm, I'm injured. I've been hurt. I'm, I'm incapable of performing simple tasks in the same vein. I, I have to worm my way up a staircase. I have to summon every ounce of my strength just to reach up and open a car door. You know, those are the things that I, I like that. I, I appreciated that they, they respected the danger and and uh, uh <laughs> physiological elements of of or, or biological elements of of that transpiring so for the most part i i had a, i enjoyed the approach i think that the execution wasn't perfect though in in presenting this this huge gunfight um, so this cast is, is fairly good. I, I really like a lot of the people in this cast. So we'll start out. Brie Larson is the only female in the cast. Uh, she is the go-between for Killian Murphy and Charlotte Copley's characters. And an army hammer, I suppose. Uh, she is a fierce female character. You know, clearly she... You know, this is set in 1970s Boston... Uh, and and she is the only female in this of these people in this cast of men who are constantly treating her like a person from 19 the 1970s would so at what so it's kind of like in their mind they think they're being respectful but like they're kind of not you know they keep Charlotte Copley's character calls her bird and doll um, you know Killian Murphy's character just kind of assumes that they that she would say yes to going on a date with him that sort of a thing uh, but to the same effect, like they're still treating her at, in some cases, uh, like an equal, you know, they're, you know, she gets shot as well as, you know, just like everybody else gets shot at. Um, she shoots at people the same way everybody else shoots at people. You know, that's, you know, when you've got this much, this many firearms and this much money on the line, it's, it's kind of a, it's nice that they didn't, you know, just ignore her or, or, or treat her uh, insignificantly or, or like a, an inferior character. So I, I appreciate the fact that they presented Brie Larson with, in my opinion, the best developed character in the film and, and gave her a lot to do, all things considered. Uh, Killian Murphy, heading the uh, Irish part of the team, part of the cast, who is there to buy the guns, um, is good uh you know he is an actor that I've, I've always really liked i i think 
you know, I first was exposed to him as Scarecrow in Batman Begins, um, but since then, you know, I really like uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley and Red Eye, I thought was really good. And, you know, he's, he's just been in, he's been in a lot of good, you know, and, you know, he's worked a lot with Nolan on uh, Inception and he was in all three of the Dark Knight films. I just, I, I very much enjoy his presence. I think I've never seen him give a bad performance in a movie. And, you know, I think he's more than capable in this. He doesn't, he's not like outstanding. His character isn't very fleshed out. And, and that's probably more to do with the writing than with his performance. But. Uh, I, I think what I liked about him in this movie is that he's constantly in a position where he's trying to settle things down, and so he he's trying to de-escalate things as we feel as as they sort of spiral out of control, as they sort of snowball into the ultimate gunfight that occurs. And yet, but at the same time, you know, he respects the fact that certain measures have to be taken and you can't just roll over if you're in a position where someone's firing a gun at you like you know you're gonna fire back and he 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 is probably he's you know he's definitely one of the more capable uh shots in this movie but uh, you know, he's by no means by no means is any character in this movie like a dead eye shot at all. Um which is another element I think I, I, I liked because I think we we don't give them enough credit for like you've how many like you've been shot in the arm you've been shot in the leg you're probably in a ton of pain and you're bleeding it might be a little bit harder to fire a gun perfectly and aim accurately uh, than normal just saying and like you're constantly stressed out and under pressure and anxious and there's like somewhere between two and seven other people in your vicinity that also have guns that are also trying to shoot you and so there's a lot going on and I, I so I, I've heard a little bit of a criticism about how they're terrible how everyone in this movie cannot hit the broadside of a barn that's wrong like they every they everyone gets shot multiple times in this movie I think they're far from terrible shots and I think that after they're hit once or twice then their accuracy gets plummets and I, I think that's reasonable I, I don't think that's silly uh so that what this movie does though and something else i liked is it pairs up its characters so you have killian murphy on one side uh and i think and his parallel on the other side is army hammer's character so army hammer Homer, blah, 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 blah. army hammer plays uh you know he's he's not the actual guy selling the guns and, and his role isn't super clearly defined uh, at least as part of the deal. But once we enter the gunfight, his role is pretty much opposite to that of Killian Murphy. So he's also trying to de-escalate things. He wants everybody to leave with the guns. He wants them to leave with the money. But he's also smart enough and rational enough to realize like, okay, like this situation has gone so, gone so wrong at this point that we really can't hope to get to an, get to a circumstance where everyone's going to be happy and we can leave peacefully you know so like i mentioned before like he he's the first person who's able to kind of grab one of the m16s that they were selling and and brings that out in the fight uh he's very clever he um he's the, the last person to get shot i think 
I'm not precise. I'm not 100% sure about that. I believe he was the last. It's either him or Brie Larson is the last person to get shot. And, you know, he's like, he's kind of corralling the, the, the gun dealer side of this fight. And, uh, he, he is making, he's, he and Killian Murphy, like in, in sort of parallel ways, like they both make good use of the environment around each other. They both, you know, at one point they tussle in close combat. Um, and, uh, they, 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 they are the kind of characters where they realize the situation they're in, but if they saw each other the next day, it wouldn't be an issue. You know, they're just like, they'd be happy to just kind of like have a beer and like talk it out. Uh, moving on, we've then got Michael Smiley's character, who's kind of the other big man on, on the Irish side, the buyer's side of this conflict. And he is kind of, I think he's the dad of Sam Riley. I'm not entirely sure. He plays, so, so Michael Smiley plays Frank. He's the, seems to be the oldest person in this group of people. Um, either him or Noah Taylor. I'm not sure. And Michael Smiley is no nonsense. Uh, He goes down pretty early, but then has sort of a resurgence. Uh, He has a great, great sequence between him and Charlotte Copley, who plays his sort of mirror image on the other side. Uh, And Smiley is just kind of, you know, he's, he's, constantly pissed off at at his son who who kind of is the reason for the entire fight breaking out but he's willing to to i don't know i I get i got the sense and like this is a, a lot of this is me sort of like putting in backstory where none was given it felt like son was a huge disappointment to him so he's finally giving him a chance to like do something be a part of this job and uh instantly regrets that (laughs) instantly regrets that terrible decision making uh but then they're in the gunfight and now he literally has to rely on his son for his life you know like his son is another gun and the more guns you have the better your chance of surviving is in in this sort of a situation and so it's very clear as you watch him that he's a very capable uh sort of sort of combatant uh he's probably I don't know. I not not that I'd say he's been in gunfights frequently in his life. You know, he's older, but he definitely knows the situation. He sizes things up very quickly. He doesn't try to de-escalate things by by really any stretch, but he is, you know, he's committed to the fight. He wants, you know, he's leaving this battle uh you know, either on a stretcher or with the other or with everything. You know, he's He's either going to die or he's going to come out of this whole thing with the money and the guns. That's kind of the sense of his that I got. And likewise, Charlotte Copley's character is the same way. Uh, Charlotte Copley plays Vernon. Uh, Vernon is the guy selling the guns. He supplies, you know, he brings out the guns first. You know, he's the one. And and his character may be my favorite, most, most exciting character. Uh, you know, he's kind of like a maniacal version of the character he played in district nine you know a little more unhinged a little more um bouncing off the walls sort of a sort of a situation he uh you know he he has this code that sort of 
doesn't make sense at all. He he's sort of disrespectful to Brie Larson, but at the same time, like not disrespectful to her. Like he he there are definitely things he says that he really shouldn't have said. But at the by the same time, he is also like you know I've never touched you know he's like I've never touched you and Brie Larson's like no you haven't you know you've been respectful you've you've kept your distance you 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 know whatever you've said your actions uh, speak a little bit louder than that. And not that that excuses him, but uh, he has a sort of code. And once things go down, once things get started, uh, he is slightly adjusted from what Michael Smiley, what Frank's opinion is. So while whereas Michael Smiley is like, all right, I'm in. We're, if we're in a gunfight, I'm in a gunfight. We are going to finish this thing. Charlotte Copley's character looks at it and he's like, okay, uh, how can I abuse the circumstances that we're in to make off with the money and the guns as quickly as possible? Fuck everybody else. I'm in it for myself. That's what's happening. And uh, so by that same event, like he's telling people like, okay, go get this briefcase or, or hey, you're, you're the bird. Like they're not going to shoot you. Like just go grab the briefcase. No one's going to shoot the, a bird and... and uh, you know, he's like, oh, we need to get the key off of such and such a person. And, and we need, you know, he's like, and he's like talking to Army Hammer and he's like telling him what to do. And he's telling um, uh, 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 Jack Rayner what to do. And, you know, he's just giving out all these orders. And at, the, at some point, like no one is listening to him. No one cares what he's saying. And he he just kind of is there and and eventually he does kind of have to take things into his own hand and you know that is what kind of sets up his confrontation with frank with michael smiley's character and is really like the only big event that takes place outside the main room they get stuck in you know frank and vernon end up in a different area of the warehouse and i really liked that sequence i still think it could have been a little bit better uh, explained as far as the the confines of where they were and the way that they were able to kind of fire at each other in a somewhat accurate manner. Uh, so, you know, I think that camera angles were a little bad for that sort of thing. But that entire sequence, I, I really did enjoy. I, I liked it a lot. Um, so then the third pairing and... and uh, you know, it, the, which is kind of the most vital, obvious pairing of this movie is Jack Rayner and Sam Riley. Jack Rayner working under Charlton Copley. Sam Riley is Mike plays Michael Smiley's uh, son slash nephew, sort of a situation. Um, and the thing that transpires is prior to this meeting, prior to this deal going down, they met each other at some bar the night before. Uh, Sam, you know, Jack Rayner accuses Sam Riley's character of like making moves on Rayner's sister. And then when she turned down his advances, uh, you know, he like broke a bottle over her face or something like that, something to that effect. Uh, and so Jack Rayner beat up, beat the shit out of him. They see each other and exchange blows again. Everybody tries to calm everything down. Uh, you know, everybody things get settled. Things are sort of sorted out enough, and we're like, okay. And you know, Sam Riley offers an apology. You know, he's gonna pay for whatever surgery, whatever hospital bills uh, Jack Rayner's sister needs. You know, things are calm enough to the point where we think, okay, maybe 
Maybe we can get through this. Maybe we can finish this deal and get out of here. Everybody's on everybody's on edge. Everybody's concerned. Everybody's waiting to see that whether or not things are going to work out. And then and then Sam Riley fucking idiot jerk face that he is um blows things rainer shoots him that's the first shot that's fired and uh all hell breaks loose and that's that's when the whole the door is blown off everybody for themselves scrambling around making you know some people are like still trying to figure out what's going on and uh so so rainer and riley are so they, they have that confrontation and, and and kerfuffle early on. They exchange a lot of words throughout the movie, you know, yelling at each other, uh, you know, poking at each other, prodding at each other. And then later on, toward the end of the film, they have a final confrontation, which I loved. I thought it was really fun. It was more funny than it was, like, realistic and makes sense. But I, I think it fit the atmosphere of the movie really well. And I, I I enjoyed it for for what it was. Um, yeah, and so the only other really characters, you know, you've got Enzo Slenti who plays a friend, uh, Sam Raleigh's friend. He doesn't really do too much. Uh, Babu Sisse is uh, sort of Charlotte Copley's right hand man, um, and he he has a moment that he gets, but I I think he was largely um, left out of the script. Uh, there's also Noah Taylor, who um, chases down Brie Larson's character at one point. Uh, and then there's a few other people who are in the film that that sort of appear after the initial fight sort of starts, after the initial fight breaks out. Um, I'm, I don't want to go into too many spoilers. You know, I don't want to, like, kind of reveal who, who lives, who dies. Uh, but I will say that the... The the number and the the amount of people I thought were going to live and the specific people that I thought were going to live from the beginning are exactly the people who lived at the end. Like that, I got that perfectly right from the from beginning to end, uh, which I I didn't have a problem with. I I think uh, not that I think I, I don't think it was like incredibly well telegraphed, but I just think looking at the cast and sort of figuring things out from that point and like seeing the dynamics between the characters in the early minutes it's pretty pretty straightforward as to who's probably going to make it out at the end um but that being said i i I was fine with the ending it wasn't fantastic it wasn't great though i wish that again like i wish wheatley had sort of escalated things a lot more throughout the throughout the film because I, i think that they kind of stagnated towards the middle and we didn't do a lot outside of the main uh, room in which most of this takes place. And so that was a big, that, I don't know, that bothered me. I wish that they had, I wish they'd been more creative with the space, I guess I'll say. Um, yeah, so ultimately I gave Free Fire three and a half out of five stars or a 78. I thought it was really exciting, really enjoyable, but it does have a lot of those sort of drawbacks that I mentioned uh, between the characters and, and the sort of confusion of, of who's where and what's firing at who. Then, 
you know so like i said like this isn't really coming out in theaters here until 2017 but it's technically a 2016 film uh so it won't really play any role in in this year's circle of film awards or anything like that um and then as far as that goes uh you know i'm recording this it's the 24th of of april I've already finished all of the scavenger hunt films. I've been done for almost two weeks. I think I finished on the 10th because, you know, I've been out of work a lot because of my injury. So I've had a lot of opportunities to, 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 to catch up on a lot of older films. Um, you know, I took down the top 10 Mayborn actors uh, at the beginning of this month. And I've been watching a lot of movies that these people have been in to try and sort of flesh out my filmographies for them and sort of make their rankings a little bit more accurate as best I could. Uh, so there's been a little bit of shifting going forward and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to that episode, you know, early in May. Uh, I likely will, you know, I'll probably record, be able to record the, the scavenger hunt episode pretty soon, uh, and, and make sure that that's ready to go at the end of the month. Uh, and I also expect the, the, uh, the May scavenger hunt to be dropped sometime within the next couple of days. Uh, and then we'll, we'll uh, if you're interested, you know, uh, if you're on Letterboxd, uh, you'll probably start seeing those crop up if you check the lists page. Um, or if not, you can, if, you've, if you're following me on Letterboxd, you'll see me post that um, pretty much a couple of hours after I find, after I realize that, it, that the tasks are set up. And uh, we'll go from there. I'll make sure that that's ready to go on, on May 1st. Um, other than that, looking ahead, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been kind of avoiding doing statistics episodes right now. Simply because it's, it's a lot more difficult for me to type and harder to kind of navigate the spreadsheet than it normally would be. I am debating whether or not I want to do a review episode for The Lost City of Z. I watched that yesterday. Um, but I, I'm not sure I quite have a lot to say about it, so I'm probably just going to leave that to a, a letterboxed review at the best. Um, I've got a couple more films I'm going to see uh, over the next couple of days, but nothing too exciting. I'm not like I'm looking at the titles here. Nothing I'm like super looking forward to, um, and then. In the next week, I'm not sure what comes out next week. Coming soon. Um, looks like the circle is opening this weekend. Um, I I've gotten pretty bad vibes from that. You know, I've seen this trailer a ton of times, and the more I see it, the more I, I'm concerned that it's really just not gonna do well. I think it's gonna kind of tank. Uh, I don't know. I, I get that impression from it. Um, and, and the rest of the films that come out this weekend are, are pretty insignificant by, by comparison. It's Everybody is kind of uh, biding their time until next weekend when we get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I will definitely have a review episode for. And even if it... You know, I should be getting my splint off the Tuesday following Guardians release. So 
it might take me a couple of days later, but I, once that comes off, I will be able to do a statistics episode, which I think will be more than viable uh, in in this for that film. So that's kind of what's coming up next. Uh, I have two more parts of the box office mojo top 100 to get through, and uh, we've seen, you know, there's a film that has continued to sort of climb the list. I'm not sure how long I'm going to give it till I, I incorporate it into the list. And then Fate of the Furious uh, just completely destroyed the box office internationally, which is kind of depressing, but is definitely a film I'm going to have to touch on when uh, during part tw- during the 20 through 11 part uh, of, of the box office mojo top 100. So all that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan. If you want to find out more about me, the spreadsheet, or previous episodes, uh, as well as the Circle of Film Awards and the Scavenger Hunt Superlatives, head over to circleoffilm.com. If you want to send me any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. Thank you once again, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never. Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say that you In the name of love One night in the name of love So long, farewell, oh what I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute So long